you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. NFL Now is a production of the NFL in partnership with iHeartRadio. One week from today, we're going to be at the Combine in Indianapolis. Friendly reminder, there is no offseason. On a holiday Monday, welcome to NFL Now on NFL Network. From our newsroom in Los Angeles, my name is Andrew Siciliano. Derek Carr is a free agent, everybody. I know free agency begins in a month, but if he wanted to, he could actually sign a contract today. He visited another team this past weekend. That team, the New York Jets. Carr turns 32 next month, and because the Raiders released him just this past week, he could do a deal at any time. Will he do a deal anytime soon? What do we know about that visit to Florham Park over the weekend? Let's welcome in our NFL Network insider, Tom Pelissero. Tom, hope you had a great weekend. What's the latest with Derek Carr? Andrew, you said a Derek Carr visited the New York Jets over the weekend. That is his second visit. The previous one was to the Saints while he was still under contract with the Raiders. Carr was able to scuttle a trade to New Orleans or any place else thanks to his no-trade no clause in his contract. That contract, of course, now does not exist, so you're starting from scratch in with negotiations with other teams. I would certainly anticipate you could have at least one more visit before Derek Carr makes a decision about where to sign. And you also have to remember the teams that are interested in Derek Carr may also have interest in some other quarterbacks. There's guys like Aaron Rodgers, Lamar Jackson, whose futures are uncertain at this point. Daniel Jones right now has not yet signed a contract. There's a lot of interconnected parts here, Andrew. And as we saw one year ago, once that first deal, whatever it ends up being, ends up happening, whether it's a trade or in this case a Derek Carr signing, then things can start to move relatively quickly after that. And Carr has the benefit of getting that jump over everybody else. The way that contract was structured, the Raiders had to pull the trigger last week. So he is free. He is out there. And he could be that first quarterback domino to fall into place if and when he so chooses. Meantime, there's a lot of moving chairs here with the coordinators, Tom. Let's focus first on Eric Bieniemy. Andy Reid had suggested during the Super Bowl that maybe it would be better if Eric Bieniemy, if he doesn't get a head coaching job and he didn't this cycle again, just go somewhere else and run his own offense. Why was Washington the right fit? Andrew, there were really two teams that had a high level of interest after the Super Bowl and Eric Bieniemy. One was the Baltimore Ravens, but they were in a time crunch because if they were going to hire Todd Monk, in which they did. He needed an answer, and the University of Georgia needed an answer, and so they ended up going in that direction. But Washington was the team that was the most aggressive from the start with Eric Bieniemy. Yes, there's going to be questions about the quarterback position. Ron Rivera has said Sam Howell, who was a rookie fifth-round pick this past season, made his first NFL start in Week 18, is going to be QB1 as they head into the offseason. But Washington was able to offer something that other teams, including Kansas City, really had not, which was a multi-year contract, an elevated title because he will be assistant head coach 
and offensive coordinator there, and also the opportunity to build his entire staff the way that he wants it. So Biennemi actually spent a couple of days in Washington talking with the coaches on staff, making plans before they ended up agreeing to that deal. It is a multi-year commitment and a significant one from the commanders who now get a unique opportunity here to add a guy in Eric Biennemi who Kansas City did want back. Now he'll be running the show there and again taking on more of those duties that potentially could prepare him whenever a head coaching opportunity arises. I like the pieces in Washington. Brian Robinson, Antonio Gibson, Terry McLaurin, Curtis Samuel. They have weapons here. Jahan Dotson. The big question, however, as you say, is the quarterback. On the topic of coordinators, Jonathan Gannon is the new head coach in Arizona. We'll dive into that in a couple of minutes here with Jim Trotter. He went really young, Tom, with his coordinators. He's not too old himself, granted. This is a really young brain trust on the coaching side. So far, remember, there's going to be other hires here, and I'm sure he'll add some veteran coaches along the way. But in terms of his coordinators, he ended up getting the two guys who were at the top of his list and two guys that he's worked with in the past. The first is offensive coordinator Drew Petzing, who is 35 years old. He, a lot like Kevin Stefanski, had worked a variety of different jobs in Minnesota, crossed over with Gannon there, followed Stefanski to Cleveland, most recently was the Browns quarterback's coach. A really bright guy, but this will be his first time in the NFL being a play caller and, of course, a really important role as they try to build around a guy that Jonathan Gannon calls elite in Kyler Murray whenever Murray is ready to come back from his knee injury. On the defensive side, they go with Nick Rallis as their defensive coordinator. Rallis is 29 years old. That makes him the youngest coordinator in the NFL, one of the youngest coordinators in NFL history. He was a star defensive player at prestigious Edina High School in Minnesota, as well as at the University of Minnesota. He was a linebackers coach in Philadelphia, a guy that Gannon really valued. So did the Eagles. They tried to talk Rallis into staying there. Other teams also were calling, but he decided to follow his guy Gannon to Arizona. Just to put that age into perspective for you, Andrew, Max Williams, the Cardinals tight end, played with Nick Rallis at the University of Minnesota, and there are currently 15 players on the Cardinals roster who are older than Nick Rallis. I am looking at uh, your very sparse Wikipedia page, Tom. It says you're a native of Edina, Minnesota. Did you go to Edina High School? It's probably the first and only time that I will ever get to include the name of a coach's high school in a tweet. So, yes, H-O-R-N-E-T-S, Edina Hornets, fight, 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 Andrew. You really emphasized prestigious there, so I just try to put the two and two together. There you go. Tom Pelissero repping his high school. Mine, by the way, South Lakes High School, Reston, Virginia. We'll do more of that a little bit later. Thank you, Tom. In the meantime, here is the new Cardinals head coach, Jonathan Gannon. Um, in some video posted by the Cardinals. In another video, he was making some weird Michael Scott-like noises when greeting another player. But regardless, Jonathan Gannon is the new head coach, Jim Trotter of the Arizona Cardinals. And he said today to Peter King in his column that he basically would not have taken this job if not for Kyler Murray. They have the the franchise quarterback in place, as he says. Yeah, this is going to be a process to kind of rework this offense because Kyler's not going to be there for a couple of months, we'd assume. Yeah, Andrew, before we even talk about players, let's talk about this staff a little bit and, and what owner Michael Bidwell has put together here. We have a uh, general manager who has no GM experience. We have a head coach who has no head coach experience. We have an offensive coordinator who has no uh, OC experience. And we have a defensive coordinator who has no D.C. experience. So it's an interesting mix right now. As Tom talked about earlier, a very young staff. 
Um, they're going to be able to build this out. But what I would say to you is this. What I had heard late in the season and even after the coaching change is that more than anything, what the Cardinals need at this point is a culture change, that there was a lack of accountability, both from the GM position as well as the head coach position prior to these changes. And so from that standpoint, before the Cardinals ever even get into talking about players, what should be important is whether or not this general manager and this head coach are going to hold players as well as coaches accountable for what takes place. And that's going to be critical in terms of whether or not they succeed, Andrew. And one of the things that uh, Jonathan Gannett also said this morning in regards to the offense and, and keeping players accountable here is they don't want to have Kyler in the shotgun as much, so they have to get him up under center. That'll change the look of the offense. Uh, the last couple of years, Kyler has been in the shotgun 90% of the time, which is just absurd. Granted, quarterback is only one question here. Jim, here's the list of the Cardinals' notable free agents. Have three big pieces on that offensive line, not to mention a couple of key pieces on defense. J.J. Watt is retiring. We know that as well. Um, there are some holes to fill for Monty Austin for the new general manager. There are a lot of holes to fill. Let's start with the offensive line, as you talked about. There were three players who started a minimum of 11 games for them last year who were free agents. And then there's also the issue of whether Rodney Hudson, their center, will return this year. There's been talk that he might retire. You go to the defensive line then. There is no one on this roster at this moment who had more than four sacks a year ago. J.J. Watt retired. Zach Allen is a free agent. And then let's look at their secondary. Outside of Buda Baker, their best secondary player, is um is byron murphy he is a free agent they do not have a lockdown corner so when you start putting all this together there are a lot of holes on this roster that need to be filled and this is an inexperienced staff so the arizona cardinals are going to be a very interesting team to watch next year uh, for a team that was seemingly chasing it when it comes to the roster of the secondary to begin last year getting guys off the waiver wire and final cutdowns, and uh, they never truly got that secondary set jim trotter thank you wearing a cardinals colored coat as we open up a monday edition of nfl now we won't just talk cardinals we'll do bills next josh allen was in la over the weekend what were the bills doing to fix that team back in buffalo when he was here straight ahead Nothing can stop me. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. How do they get better? How do they take the next step? How do they make it to an AFC championship game again? If you're here, the Buffalo Bills, you're the free agents that they are looking at. Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott in the offseason. A couple of linebackers, a veteran piece on the offensive line, the whole Jordan Poyer question. That one looms large as well. We had him on from the Super Bowl two weeks ago, said that the Wednesday after they lost, he went into the building, Mike Giardi, looked around and just took it in one last time, knowing this might be the end of his run there after six years. Offseason priorities, big picture from where you sit. Well, for starters, let's just begin here. And that's the narrative that maybe the Bills have already missed their championship window. And maybe it's because I'm in New England and I hear the Patriots fans talk about it quite a bit. 
but I think that's ludicrous. They have Josh Allen. He's one of the three or four best quarterbacks in the league, and as long as they have that, a healthy Josh Allen, heck, even a Josh Allen with one elbow for half the season, essentially, uh, they still won 13 games. They still made the second round of the postseason. They're always going to be a part of this conversation. But when you look at that free agent list, to me, for years now, four or five years, when we talk about their defense, it's been about Poyer and Hyde, Micah Hyde, Jordan Poyer. And it feels like we're sort of shifting away from that now with Poyer headed for free agency, clearly going to hit free agency. And while, look, I think he would like to come back, I think they would like to have him back, but I think the business part of this is going to make it difficult. Um, and he's going to end up in free agency and see what he can get out there. And I'm assuming he's going to get a lot because he's still a very good football player, even despite the injuries last year, maybe their best defensive player. So that part of the equation you have to look at. But the other part is Tremaine Edmonds because he's just 25 years old. This is his fifth year. And I feel like he's really blossoming as a player. This was by far and away his best year. And now you're looking at a situation where instead of Hoyer and Hyde, maybe it's Edmonds and Milano, Matt Milano, the linebackers. Maybe that's the center of this defense now. And Edmonds' ability to make plays down the field, too, his range. He's got that great length. I think I saw him during the playoff game, 25 yards down the field, carrying a tight end and then making a play on the football. That's the kind of thing that they wanted more from him early on in his career. But now it appears as though he's developed into that guy. But again, here's the problem. The problem being that if you franchise tag him, it's $20 million because, of course, they include outside linebackers in that franchise tag for linebackers. And that seems a little bit rich for him. So I'm, I'm curious if they can find a number that works better for both sides and allows Edmonds to be the centerpiece of that defense for the next four or five years at a 15, $16 million range as opposed to 20-plus. Look, it's a good problem when you have former first-round picks that you are trying to figure out how to pay. It means you made a good first-round pick, and they did it as well, obviously, in 2018 with Josh Allen as the seventh overall pick. The problem, Mike, now is trying to figure out a way, and this isn't just on the offensive side of the ball, but collectively to get over the top. How do they do that on the offensive side? Well, for me, it's reevaluating your offensive line. I think two positions in particular, left guard where Roger Saffold is a free agent and Spencer Brown who has been your right tackle, um, a developmental guy who's had moments of brilliance, but by and large has been an average to slightly below average player. And they need more from that position. They need to protect the franchise quarterback and maybe get him in a situation where when he steps back there in the pocket, he's able to plant his feet and scan the field as opposed to, uh oh, here comes the pressure, and he goes into superhero mode, which, by the way, he's phenomenal at, right? You don't necessarily want to take that away from him, but you'd like him to be able to sit back in the pocket a little bit more and use that mind of his, which I think is an underrated aspect of who Josh Allen is. So I think those are two positions that they need to consider to upgrade here going forward. Again, they're, they're, I'm not a huge believer in the salary cap, but they're already over the salary cap, so they're going to have to uh, get the computer, the calculator. They're going to have to make some modifications which is very doable, Andrew. You can do this. You can do whatever you want with that salary cap, but they're going to have to do some things to make everything work. We are three weeks away, in essence, from the start of the new league year, and that calculator or abacus or whatever it is you may use to get under the cap abacus. needs to enough. be put into good work, and a lot of that will be done next week at the Combine. Thank you, Mike Giardi, with the latest on the Buffalo Bills. Their quarterback, Josh Allen, was here in L.A. watching at Riviera over the weekend. He'll be watching the Combine, no doubt. Hopefully you will as well. We're taking NFL now on the road next week, starting on Tuesday, and then the on-field drills begin on March 2nd. The D-line and the linebackers up first, the DBs up second, and then the offensive skill players and the O-line 
take the field starting on Saturday. It is Combine Week all week next week right here on NFL Now, throughout the day on NFL Network, on NFL Plus, on NFL.com. This week, today specifically, it's the HBCU Combine. They are in New Orleans, Metairie in the Saints building. We will tell you what's going on there straight ahead next. Now I got it, so I ball, 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 like every day. I told you a week from now we're going to be in Indianapolis for the Scouting Combine NFL. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Now they're all throughout the week. This week, it is the second annual HBCU Combine. That is the Saints Indoor Practice Facility, Metairie, Louisiana. You watched it this morning with Bucky Brooks and Rhett Lewis. They're with us now as drills continue. Second annual event. What's going on with that? Hi there, Rhett. Hey, Andrew. Uh, yeah, it's a, and what a great opportunity for us as this is the second HBCU, HBCU Combine, but the first time we've actually had to, the opportunity to cover it live, which is really cool. We've gotten to see you know, so much of what we love about the Indianapolis Combine, right, which we're going to have, as you mentioned, uh, here coming up uh, next week. But uh, this is all the same drills, we saw with 47 of the very best HBCU prospects, uh, Bucky, uh, you know, vast number of which, I mean, really showcased some skills that NFL teams are going to love. Yeah, teams love this format. They love to have the opportunity to put everybody in one building and see them all work out. And so for so long, HBCUs did not have the opportunity to get all the scouts to come down. Well, now you take 47 of the best of the best, put them in one building, put them on the same level playing field, and then you get to see how everyone stacks up. And so this is a tremendous opportunity for young guys, for HBCU prospects to show up, show out, uh, put their best on display and have the evaluators take that in, take gather some notes, and then take it back to the yeah. facility, have meetings, and then begin to advocate for some of these guys as they begin to stack the board for the draft. number of guys already did that. We had four terrific quarterbacks out there throwing to wide receivers and running backs like Darius Hagens from Virginia State, put up a 4-4-0 unofficial 40-yard dash. Uh, we had Xavier Smith uh, out there running routes and showcasing his skills as a wide receiver, some of which Steve Weich and Scott Pioli got a chance to see live on the field inside the Saints training facility in Metairie, Louisiana. Steve, uh, I, you know, I just start with you and Scott there on what kind of impressed you guys the most from what you saw from the offensive drills as the defensive guys are getting set to go here in a few minutes. Well, first off, right, I want to get to why there is an HBCU Combine, because you mentioned next week kicks off the regular draft scouting Combine, but only two players from historically black colleges have been invited to that Combine out of more than 300, and that has been the case for years. Yeah. So the NFL and the Black College Football Hall of Fame and others have put together this HBCU Combine and the HBCU Legacy Bowl, which will air on NFL Network on Saturday, a week's worth of events to showcase the skilled players. And Scott, you know, we saw players like Deshaun Dixon, who played in the Legacy Bowl, make mm -hmm. the Jacksonville Jaguars roster and contribute. Guys like uh, Houston, the, the rookie yeah. um, out of Jackson State, 
go to Detroit and play well this year. Talent can be found still at these historically black colleges. Absolutely. One of the guys we saw earlier today, Xavier Smith, wide receiver, who we knew had good speed. We knew he was quick, but then we saw and got the time on him, ran a 4-4. And this is one of those players, you look at a guy who had 281 career receptions. I don't care what league <laughs> you're crazy. playing in. I don't care if it's Pop Warner. You have that much production. You need to look at the players. So he had a chance to come in here today, had a terrific day. Not only did he run well, he caught the ball well, spent some time with him, clearly a smart young man. He's going to have a chance to develop, I think. Yeah, he played at Florida A&M in the SWAC, right? The mm -hmm. SWAC is loaded with talent, especially in the, in the next upcoming years. We also saw Darius Hagens, the running oh. back out of Virginia State. Again, that's a, a, a player a lot of teams told you they had their eye on, and he did not disappoint. Absolutely, and I got a chance to spend some time with him personally and privately yesterday. Impressive young man that really, he wanted this so bad. He was, you know, last night, Aeneas Williams, a pro football Hall of Famer, great player, talked about opportunities to all these young players. Darius took that to heart. Talked to him after Aeneas Williams talked. He goes, this is my opportunity. This is going to be a great opportunity. He showed it today. He was ready. And, Red, as we send it back to you, we had 23 offensive players in the morning. We'll have that many defensive players uh, this afternoon. The majority mm -hmm. of those players will be joined by 50-plus players later in the week, mm -hmm. like I said, to play in the HBCU Legacy Bowl. But, Scott, just very, very quickly, 10 seconds. Besides the on-field stuff, the importance of the interviews these players are going through with teams. Absolutely, because a lot of the scouts and direct personnel directors haven't had a chance to get to these small schools and see these players. So the time spent is so critical for these young men to get to know people and the scouts and directors to get to know them as well. 31 of 32 teams are here looking at these players. It's that important. Bucky. They're worthy of this consideration, of this evaluation, of this spotlight. Guys like uh, that we that we saw DJ Golat, the quarterback from yes. Bowie State. His buddy Joshua Pryor from Bowie State, a defensive tackle. 76 tackles for <laughs> loss in his career. Uh, they're 31 and a half sacks too. So that's the kind of stuff that pops out on a stat sheet. Now you want to see why you see if those skills can translate, right? Yeah, because if you hadn't had the opportunity to go on the school call, you haven't had a chance to size them up physically, up close and personal. So this week will give them an opportunity not only to see them physically in practice, but the combine certainly gets, gets an opportunity for those guys to show off their athleticism and explosiveness. Joshua Pryor, the Bowie State Bulldog defensive tackle, six foot four, 280 pounds. We're going to see him run through some of these drills as the defensive guys get rolling there from Metairie here in just a little bit for now, though. Andrew, we'll get it back to you. All right, we'll check back in. Thank you, Rhett, Bucky, and Metairie with Scott and Steve coming up momentarily. Gentlemen, we appreciate it. In the meantime, there's Vic Fangio, 64 years old, former head coach of the Denver Broncos, back as a coordinator and in Miami today where he said the NFL is a better league when the Dolphins are relevant. Well, I think the Dolphins um, have a good thing going here. I like the uh, Mike and his staff that he already has in place here. I think there's good components to the coaching staff led by Mike that made it intriguing to join that. Uh, I think there's a good nucleus of players here and the uh, lure of South Florida. Here's what he's taken over, a defense that eh, wasn't too good last year. I mean, certainly had its moments, forced some turnovers, got in the end zone, but overall, numbers not good. Offensive numbers, however, Cam Wolf, quite good when Tua Tungavailoa was actually there. So now Vic Fangio has got to fix the defense. The reaction so far to his hiring is 
very much excited, Andrew. This is a guy the Dolphins wanted badly. He had a lot of competition to get Vic Vangio. They made the best and the overall best offer for Vic Vangio, and he decided to come here, and they hope that he can turn around this defense, be the head coach of the defense, so to speak, for a group that has a lot of young talent, as he cited as one of the reasons to come here, like Jalen Phillips and Javon Holland, but needs that scheme to take them over the top. And I've talked to players, really, over the last couple of weeks who were very much uh, anticipating Vic Fangio bringing them to be a top 10 defense and talking with him today a couple of things stood out one the blitz element this is a Dolphins defense that blitz a ton the last few years under Brian Flores and Josh Boyer he said my philosophy on the blitz I only want to blitz when I want to not because I need to and so anticipate them not blitzing as much playing more zone coverage and he highlighted a couple of young players one in particular safety Javon Holland he said he has he's hopeful and confident that he could be one of the best young safeties in the league one of the best safeties in the league and Javon Holland's excited to play with him too. I talked to him earlier this offseason and he said, look, I'm very excited on what Vic can do and what he can teach me in this defense. And so a lot of potential here in Miami and they're hopeful with that high-powered offense with Tyree Kill, Jalen Waddle, and Tua. Now they have the coach to lead the defense where they want to go. Javon Hollins put together two very good seasons as a second-round pick out of Oregon. All right, let's talk about these free agent pieces here in the offseason. Holland is certainly not one of them, at least not yet. Uh, on the defensive side, Landon Roberts and Melvin Ingram especially stand out. On the offensive side, the backfield's in flux. Teddy Bridgewater as a backup quarterback is out there as well. The whole Mike Gesicki thing is interesting, Cam. Remember, his name was kicked around a lot right before the trade deadline. Obviously, he didn't move. He's still there. He finished the season. Give me your 35,000-foot view picture of those priorities in the offseason. Yeah, Andrew, the first decision will be Tua Tungavailoa. He's going to be the quarterback in 2023, but they have a decision to make on his fifth-year option worth a little over $23 million guaranteed. And Chris Greer, their general manager, said earlier this offseason, everything is on the table there. So we know Tua is their starting quarterback in 2023, but they certainly are going to have much interest in gaining a backup quarterback and free agency to bring back in that lineup. They had Teddy Bridgewater in that role this past year, but he wasn't available sometimes when they needed him to be in so they'll evaluate him and other options in free agency. And Tua talked in Radio Row about how the Dolphins handled his concussion protocol, said they were, he was happy with uh, how they protected him from himself. They believe he's going to be back to where he needs to be health-wise. That's the big question for them. But as they go into free agency, they got to get that running back room right to protect him, to keep him not having to throw the ball a lot of times. So keep an eye on Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson. They want to bring back at least one of those guys. And briefly on Mike Kosicki, who you just mentioned, uh, I'm told that he's expected to test free agency and not return to Miami. Just wasn't a fit there for scheme, so he'll likely be elsewhere. One of my favorite Mike McDaniel moments on the podium this year, and there were many of them, is when he said, well, hey, Mike Kosicki's name, he was asked, Mike Kosicki's name is out there when it comes to trade reports, and he said that every other player should be offended, that their name isn't out there as well with Mike Kosicki. It was circular logic, but it made me laugh at the time. Thank you, Cam Wolf. All right, let's move on there from the Dolphins, and let's move on here to the Patriots. Matthew Slater over the weekend. This one was a bit surprising. Announced he is coming back for a 16th season. 37 years old. Matthew Slater, perennial pro bowler, a man who, when he does retire, Mike Giardi, some people think the name will be in the conversation one day for Canton, Ohio. So he is coming back. 
Big picture here, Bill O'Brien is coming back as well for the Patriots. What does that mean for Mac Jones and the offense that seemingly, I don't know, I don't even know how to judge 2022 for that <laughs> offense? I would say that you throw it out. Uh, and throw we talked, out. Andrew, how many, how many times did we talk about it? It was a slog the whole year. And, and a lot of what they were doing didn't make sense. It didn't make sense to those of us who watched the game for a living. But more importantly, it didn't make sense to the guys that were doing it for the Patriots on offense. They didn't quite understand the plan, sometimes whether they had a plan or had answers. So you get Bill O'Brien, who has called plays at a bunch of different levels and done it successfully. So right away, you have a better concept of what your offense is going to be and how you're going to be able to run it. And I would say the thing that keeps coming across and talking to people is that it's a quarterback-friendly offense. And one of the things that Mac Jones does really well is operate out of empty. Well, guess who likes to run things out of empty? That's Bill O'Brien. So right away, you're getting a meshing of what the quarterback does well with what the offensive coordinator likes to do well. He's also been very good at implementing their tight ends. Patriots have the highest paid tight end room in the National Football League with Hunter Henry and Jonu Smith. And you can say Hunter Henry's been fine for the contract. Jonu Smith has been a disappointment. So there's a possibility there to get more out of that position than they have. And I think by and large, we talked about this so much last year about not having answers for the Patriots, not having the easy button that they could push. And you talk to defenders on other teams that they just said, look, we could get them bogged down. And when we had a counter for what they were doing, they didn't have the answer back. Bill O'Brien will make sure they have answers. And now I think we'll be able to judge Mac Jones and maybe he's closer to the guy we saw as a rookie as opposed to what we saw last year. I mean, it is truly unfair, if not impossible, to judge Mac Jones. Granted, it was his football. He went out there. He played. We all get evaluated every time we get out there on the field. We mean collectively here. Um, but it's really hard to figure out what happened. Maybe Bill O'Brien can change things. Obviously, the pieces will change. Let's put up the free agents. Mike, Jacoby Myers, Nelson Aguilar, Damian Harris, key contributors there at the skill position. Isaiah Wynn on the offensive line. And then, you know, maybe if Matthew Slater's coming back, Devin McCourty comes back, who knows? Mike, looking at this list, what do you think? Well, first thing, we'll start with that wide receiver room, right? And I think there is a feeling inside the building, at least among some of the coaches and players, that they need to get better in that room. And I think you saw how teams operated this offseason, this past offseason, and the trades made for elite wide receivers, and then what those teams did. A.J. Brown, of course, ends up in the Super Bowl. Tyreek Hill puts up a career year with Miami. So I think they would like to be more explosive in that room. I think they'd also like to have Jacoby Myers come back. He's been their best receiver the last couple years. But we'll see if the number that he might get in free agency, when you look at that wide receiver class, he might be the best of the group versus what they're willing to pay him in-house. And then lastly, I would look at the offensive line, the tackle positions. You know, last year before the season started, they flipped their tackles. Isaiah Wynn went from left tackle to right tackle. Trent Brown went from right to left. Uh, Trent Brown was fine last year. Okay, it was just an okay season. A lot of penalties for him. Isaiah Wynn's season went like this pretty much from the start. They need to get better at that position. They need to improve. And I would just say, look at what Kansas City did, right? A couple years ago, when things fell apart in the Super Bowl, Brett Veach said, we can't play this way with our quarterback. The Patriots don't have a dynamic as a quarterback as the Chiefs do, but the need to protect them is just as important. Yep, they went big. They got Orlando Brown. They got Joe Tooney. They drafted Trey Smith. They got the parts, and they rebuilt that line that was wearing zero sacks as a T-shirt <laughs> yes. this past Wednesday parading the Lombardi through Kansas City. You can turn the O-line around quickly if you put some resources to it. Thank you, Mike Giardi. Win, 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 win. Yeah.
NFL Now is a production of the NFL in partnership with iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower, 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details.